0: You're listening to After The Jack, a McPherson Media Group production. Hello and welcome to After The Jack. I'm your host, Tyler Marr, and we're here under uh, sombre circumstances uh, back in the studio for the first time uh, in a long time uh, here at the Shep News. Um, we're here to celebrate uh, and remember the, the life of uh, David John Hardy, Dave, as we all knew him, uh, or uh, maybe a, a different different nickname for uh, whether he was uh, on your side or not, but um, I'm here in the studio with uh, Brian Nisbet and Ash Williamson, and uh, we'll chat a bit about uh, Dave's impact, not only on the Golden Valley sporting community, but
1: uh, our lives here uh, uh, personally. Uh, Brian? Brian? Yes, thanks, Tyler, um, and hello, Ash. What can you say about one of the true characters of Lorne Bowles in the Goulburn-Murray area? Uh, he was a great ambassador for Bowles, a true friend who will be deeply missed by myself and all his mates. He was a genuine, caring, reliable, honest and never let you down. I first met Dave when I played pennant against him for East Against Shep Park many years ago. I recall he had a set of Henselite Classic two brown-coloured bowls. He was a leader in their ones, and his bowls were a big-drawing bowl. He was just starting out in his career. I'm just saying to Ash, I think it was about 2004-05, Ash, when the clubs merged.
2: Yeah, not, like it, not, not long after the Kyla Shep merger, I believe.
1: Yeah, he'd come back from Queensland. Um, yep. He bought Noel Hussey's house, Noel Hussey from the Shep News. Um, who moved to Queensland, so he bought Huss's place and come back from Queensland, him and Cynthia and family. Um, I said, he was just starting out, but he had been moving through the ranks and was a promising, determined competitor. We hit it off immediately, and he told me that he was a football panelist at 1FM at their old studio at Central Park Footy Ground, and uh, he was only too keen to make an appearance on my bowl show, which was going at the time.
2: Yeah, look, um, it's, I think w- when we found out about his passing, um, he died overnight on Wednesday last week. Um, I think, you know, we were sort of um, expecting it. He hadn't been in great health um, since the end of the last bowl season and he'd spent some time um, in hospital in Shepparton and Melbourne um, battling cancer and things like that. But um, it wasn't until the news came through last week that, that, that he was gone that... Um, it sort of it really hits you, I guess, and um, because he was such a permanent fixture in Goulburn Valley Bowls, Goulburn Murray Bowls in the region, and obviously with yourself, Brian, sparring partners for many many years through you know one FM broadcasts and things like your top twenty in promoting the game around here, and obviously he was a permanent fixture on the greens for Shepparton Park as well, and um, it is a, it is a sad time. Um, and it would be remiss not to mention as well um, Stanhope Bowls Club as well during the, the off-season, which is obviously still going, um, lost a, a very cherished member of their Bowls Club as well in Ron Luca. And um, in many ways, Dave and Dave and Ron uh, were sort of linked on the Bowls Green because they were two very good leaders of their time um, at Stanhope Bowls Club for Ron and 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 obviously Dave at Shep Park and had many battles and um, obviously playing in games against Stanhope against Ron. Dave and, and Ron would always very quickly reconnect with each other when we did play, those clubs did play each other and reminisce about the battles they have had over the years. Um, so we obviously pay our respects to not only... Um, Dave's family, but uh, the Stanhope Bowls community and the family of Ron Luca as well on his passing. So you know we've lost some some really cherished um, parts of the Golden Valley Bowls fraternity uh, in this off season, Bron.
1: We certainly have Ashley and I like to endorse your comments about Ron Luca. He was a very popular and a, um, a well respected bowler down at Stanhope, and be sadly missed as well.
2: Yeah, just. Um, Getting back to to, to Dave, obviously uh, when the news came through, I think um, obviously had a conversation with you, Brian, and had a conversation with Tyler, and we sort of thought about you know what what could we do to to sort of pay a bit of a fitting tribute, and and really the the reality is there's probably not many people in the Goulburn Valley Bowls community who would warrant probably what we're here doing here today, a podcast and reflecting on their life and their contribution and, you know, the personality and character um, that Dave was, Um, you know, obviously we're trying to do it justice under difficult circumstances, but um, I think, you know, the three of us were pretty keen to sort of give him some airtime, which obviously if Dave was able to listen, he would love because any publicity was good publicity for Dave and he was more than happy to... um, you know, to share a story or two, and um, yeah, so hopefully, you know, we are—we don't want it to be a, a eulogy as such. We want it to be more of a celebration and share some funny stories um, and some, you know, some serious stories as well about Dave and his life and what he brought to Golden Valley Bowls and, and other um, communities that he was involved in.
0: And I think that's the um, the the key uh, about Dave is that. He was he was always so open with his time mm. with his with his personality um, he was always able to, to, to spin a yarn but yeah. um, he, he was always more than happy to, to give you a pat on the back or to um, you know to tip you into a story when he had a good one and even when he ha- didn't have a, uh, <laughs> a good one he was happy to, to chat through it as well. He was um, he, he was always up for a chat and I think um, you yeah, he, he like you said, Ash, he's um, someone who uh, did enjoy his time on the on the airwaves and and mm. in the pages of the Shep news, but mm. um, that doesn't come without uh, you know the ability to be really open about um, you know who you are as a, as a person, and and Dave was that, and yeah,
2: and um, we all loved him more for it. And I think essentially, you know, he w- he would have made a good journalist. That was what t- probably the irony was about Dave. He was such a good yarn spinner. Um, but the journalists don't get paid enough for Dave's liking, he did like his, his coin, his money, but um, he did, um, you know, he always had a story about something and you know, he was very good at obviously um, some of the stories involving Dave got better each time he, he would tell them to you, which was uh, part of his personality and his character, but I think as well, it's um, <clears throat> probably maybe what a lot of people don't know, Brian, is Dave had a very interesting story himself, a life story, um, long before he got involved in Golden Valley Bowls.
1: Yeah, he certainly did. Uh, he was uh, adopted, I believe. And yeah, he was, he was born uh,
2: John David Forrest, I believe was his birth name, and, yeah, was adopted as, at a young
1: age. And he only found out, uh, you, you know the story better than me, that he found out that uh, who his father was when um, it's only he, went, he would have been what uh, in his 50s whatever. yeah
2: yeah so i i'm not sure 100% sure what prompted him to want to try and reconnect with his biological family or his father and um anyway he made that decision um in his sort of late late, late 40s early 50s and um Noel Hussey wrote a big feature on him at the time about that experience and so he tracked down his his father uh Forrest was his surname and um they actually found out that they had a lot in common obviously dave um was heavily involved at lemnos football club um was a life member of the football club itself and their past players association which um uh, from what Dave told me, though, I don't think there would have been anyone, maybe um, that, that was a life member of both of those organisations. And his birth father, Forrest, was a life member of the Talangata um, and District Football League or the Talangata Football Club over that way in Talangata, and um, and they were both mad, diehard Collingwood supporters. So, um, it, you know, I, I guess. Um, you know, he was very grateful that he was able to reconnect with his biological father. Was obviously very, um, still very much connected, and uh, with his with his adopted family. And uh, as a result of you know reconnecting with his biological father, um, he actually realised he had more siblings than, than what he originally thought from his adopted family.
1: He certainly did. I think
2: there was eleven in total. Yes. Yeah. Brothers and sisters. So, and 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 I think um, you know that sort of spoke to Dave. He was one of those blokes that once once you got to know him and and, and he thought you were a good person or, or whatever or even if you just connected with him in some way, you, you had a friend for life and I think that was da- part of Dave's personality and same with, um you know a lot of people, um who are adopted might not want to reconnect with their with their birth family or their biological parents but Dave didn't have any bitterness towards that no. he was interested in it and once he you know was able to connect all those dots. All of those siblings from his um, birth family, you know, they, they they were part of his family now and that was just his, um, the way he, you know, he he felt connected to people all the time and he was always building, people. and he'd, he'd always say, oh, I remember this all the time, he would always say, oh, you, you know, he'd be ta- telling a story about someone, oh, you know, such and such, him and I are close or her and I are close, you know, everyone he knew he was yeah. close with. And he might have only met him two times or something, but you know he felt that he had a really good connection with everyone that he met, and that was probably part of more part of his personality really than anything
1: else. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, I, I I believe it'll be one of the biggest funerals we've ever seen in Shepherd, and there's no doubt about that.
2: Yeah so um, I guess while we're on that topic um, next Monday September 19 at 1pm Dave's memorial service will be held at Shepparton Park Bowls Club as per his wishes obviously a big part of his you know later stages of life so um, the memorial service will be held there at 1pm and um, obviously a private uh, cremation will follow so um, those who are wanting to To Farewell Dave, obviously there'll be quite a big Shepparton Park contingent there, no doubt, and a big Goulburn-Murray Bowls um, contingent there, so there'll be Lemnos people involved. Um, Obviously his family was quite big as well, Um, and yeah, so 1pm next week I'm I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm tipping it'll be quite a light-hearted, entertaining affair, and there will be some sadness as well, but... um, in keeping with Dave's personality and, and, and ability to spin a yarn, I think there'll be um, you know quite a few laughs and tears, a mixture of both at that service next
1: Monday. I'm sure it will be. Uh, Dave, as I said before, he's only too happy to come on my bowl show and he actually, when Rod Still left over um, an issue where we were banned from the radio, and <laughs> we won't go into that, and Dave, Dave come on, he was actually called this player's name by... Yes, Jason. Yes, Welsh. When he come on, an old Dave till he fell out of his seat. I think we
2: can say that that, that Frank Watson. It was yeah, it was. also the late the late Frank Watson yes. as well. And uh, Dave never took too kindly to that, did he? Being no, called but Frankie Watson.
1: No, but he, that, he, um, Dave was quite good mates with uh, Frank. Yes. So you don't hold any grudges in this life, and uh, you just get on. But he was an obvious choice to replace Stilly, and he relished a role. Rarely missing a program in his three years on the show. He was known for uh, mentioning the and Swans or Limnos Footy <laughs> Club on most shows, where he was a life member and a passionate supporter. I believe he's... I'm sure he was also a life member of and United. Do you know that? I've seen the thing on the wall down there. Yeah, well,
2: I know that uh, what, this is one of the many stories that I heard regaled numerous times. Um, back in the day, there was a group of guys from... Lemnos, the Shepherd and Bears and Shep United who got together and put together, he called it a corporate ticket. Um, to, and it was basically you paid money and you got a membership for all three clubs and you could go to any of their games. And I think at the time maybe one or two or all of the clubs were struggling for a bit of money. So there was a group of them that went around town and asked some influential business people and stuff to get on this corporate ticket and, and obviously they split the proceeds between the three clubs to try and generate a bit of funds. And, you know, that's, that's Dave to a T going on, knocking on doors and yeah. sp- having a chat to people that he knew and he was that well connected. Um, and, you know, um, they printed all the tickets here, of course, and uh, he, he loves regaling the the fact that, or um, well, Colin Scripps, who was a long-time Shep News person here in, in the printing press, while they were doing that, they emptied out Ross and Chris McPherson's fridge while they did it as well. So he, he loved <laughs> telling that story, Dave, of the, the, the corporate ticket between the three clubs.
1: Well, that's obviously how he was made a life member of United, all the money he helped raise in that um, mm. venture. I had the pleasure of attending a past players function as Dave's guest at and Swans one day. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. He introduced me to all the players and I said, well, oh, this is this is good, um, nice, nice um, uh, group of uh, past players. And in 2016, uh, my baby, the GV Hall of Fame, was created mm-hmm. and Dave was very um, enthusiastic and was the first collaborator on this project with me and we worked congenially from 2016 to 2022 and we're we're very proud to we inducted twenty members in that time. Yeah, five as legends, about four or five, probably five or six have passed on. Yeah, and Peter Lasur's got to be he was on the um, original panel, and then John O'Donnell joined. So those Peter and John are still with us. But yeah, and, um, and, and I know they're very sad that Dave's passing because <laughs> passing because we had a a lot of conversations. Mm. We never had any arguments or um, it was very congenial.
2: And I know um, talking to Mitch Sidebottom in the past few days since Dave's um, passing, he said that he went and visited Dave a few weeks ago um, and even then he was fossicking around in his belongings and his shed um, looking for some research on someone that they were considering for the hall of fame. So, he, you know, he still was keeping active and keeping his mind sharp. And I think, you know, despite all the the health issues and concerns Dave had, you know, um Particularly in this last period, his mind was still very sharp, and even when people were going to see him, he, he still he still had that razor sharp memory and and wit as well. Um, so uh, that that was you know a, such a big part of his personality, and I'm glad
1: that you know that was until his last days. Yes, and uh, Dave loved memorabilia. He and did. Yeah. His garage is testament to this, <laughs> and I believe it could easily be transformed into Shepparton's first sports museum. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff he's got round here it's just incredible. Yeah. And I hope it's not lost yeah. and someone can could take it on board.
2: Well, I think um, his his children have got a fair job ahead of themselves sifting through all the belongings that Dave's got at his at his palace there uh, on Vickers Street. Um I know that when he first went into hospital um, and his parents... uh, Sorry, his children all came um, to be with Cynthia, his wife, um, Anne, Wendy and John. Um, I think one of them lives here and one's in WA and one's in Queensland. Um, And I know that... uh, Obviously, they uh, did a bit of pre-planning and uh, organised a skip in and started sort of cleaning out some of the things that were no longer needed. And uh, I do know that uh, from from hospital, Dave was was quite adamant if they've touched anything or if they've thrown anything out, <laughs> he, he, he didn't want anything going. But um, certainly, yes, you know, um, I spent many a time in Dave's garage or in his in his shed and you know having a couple of cold drinks and. And he knew about everything that was on his walls, and but you know he had jars of old screws that he picked up from garage sales and other knickknacks. Really, that it was just it was impossible to impossible to sift through it all. But he knew the place of everything. You know, he kept everything very meticulous and tidy. His house, you know, the, no gravel on the driveway or anything. He, he was very fastidious about his belongings, and um, certainly some of the memorabilia there he kept in really good condition.
1: And he must have paid a fortune on laminating because nearly every photo is laminated. No, I think uh, I think you'll find he used to get his good mate Noel Griffin to
2: help with a lot of that oh, stuff. Yeah, well, He's obviously a former employee here at the news as well and... Um, whenever he needed something laminated or printed off or anything made up, he'd often give Noel Griffin a call and um, and he would do a lot of those jobs for him. He's very re- and that's why he was so well connected. He had a man to do every job that he needed for him. Dave. He was
0: uh, very much a smooth talker uh, if it's, it's been a longstanding tradition. Uh, in the news office, that the the sports editor, I uh, reckon every Thursday morning in in summer, spends about thirty, sometimes forty five minutes uh, chatting to Dave in the morning on on the phone. And I mean, we'd start off um, bowls tips, talking about his bowls tips, and forty five minutes later, we'd be we'd be circling back to the bowls tips because he'd forgotten to give me it. Yeah. Shep Park, East Shep Shep Park. Uh, so <laughs> he's um he's he's. I think the first couple of calls I made on. On Thursday morning, we to a couple of the former sports editors here, and um, Gregor McTaggart is is back in the region um, as editor of the Riv Herald. And yeah, it's it certainly, I think the phone was running hot on Thursday for everyone uh, in the GV because um, he, he was he was so so well loved, and um, even if you did have uh, any grievances with with Dave, I reckon they were mostly uh, perceived because. Um, and if, if they did last longer than a, a, a beer, the, the, they didn't last too much longer than that.
2: Yeah, well, look, um, I, I sort of must say he was, he was probably a bit annoyed at me uh, last year with, uh, you know, uh, his, his ill-fated retirement, I guess you'd call it. Mm. But, um, you know, and uh, I guess that's probably um, something that maybe I'm a little bit regretful for. But, you um, you know, he, as you said, he was one of those guys he would he would be uh, annoyed or miffed at you for a period of time. But then, uh, you know, once you were back playing together in the same team, um, you know, he, he was quick to move on from those things. And I know, um, you know, p- people... Maybe that might have had a a, a beef with him at, at over time as well. Have gone to visit him in recent weeks, and it's and it's like you know nothing had changed in terms of friendship and things like that. I think that that was the beauty of Dave. He was very, very good at building relationships and friendships and connections. And um, yeah, like I said, if you if you were one of his you know one of his guys or one of someone that he'd met
1: along the way, you and him were close. That was what he'd always say. And another another thing I'll never forget with Dave. Uh, he he must have delivered fuel to yes <laughs> an astronomical number of places around the Golden Valley area, from from Rushworth to. You name it.
2: You, you'd reckon that you'd reckon, uh, the Goulburn Valley was formerly part of Dubai. There was that much fuel Dave was delivering around the region to various people. Like, you'd mention a name and he'd go, oh, yeah, that's such and such a son. I used to deliver fuel to him out at Stanhope nice. in the Got 70s or, or, you know, um, yeah, that's such and such his nephew. He was married. And he just knew everyone through the fuel industry. You wouldn't have thought, but, you know, um, that was obviously his job for many years and, you um, Allowed him to to retire quite young and move up to the to the Gold Coast and he and he used to have quite a few pictures of that up uh, of his old house, um, Mermaid Beach or somewhere I think it was mm. he was he, he loved he, he you know took quite great pride in his house that he had up on the Gold Coast there and it was a great lifestyle
1: change for him and he must have been a handy footballer I know uh, he wasn't he didn't make um Liam or Chef Swan's team in a century but he was heavily involved and he would have played a a lot of games there, no doubt. Mm. And he... Um, cricket well, as well. And he he was called um, affectionately crackers when he played cricket. Mm. I was talking to Gordon McDonald, who's been here f- all his life and uh, Gordon played cricket with him. I think they played for... Um, footballers. Footballers, yeah. yeah. Shepparton footballers. And I know he had um, uh, an old cricket ball that he'd
2: taken a hat trick with or something like that that he'd kept... All this time from his time playing cricket at football is he, he used to tell a story about um, there was, was a couple of people in his side um, and obviously they used to like a punt and they'd listen to the um, they'd have the transistor radio in their pocket in the field and, and the form guide in the other pocket. So they'd be listening to the races while they were in the field and taking bets with each other, like like bookmakers out on the field. You know, oh, you know, I want to put fifty on this at this price, and yeah, I'll take the bet. So it was quite um, quite different times when when Dave was playing cricket, but all good fun, of course, and and very social, which is what Dave was all about, and and competitive, competitive as well. Yeah,
1: no, he he certainly loved his bowls and probably his favourite player up here, and he had a great affinity with um, Mark Ryan. Yep. And, uh, you know, Mark's just a, a gentleman on and off the green. And um, I think Dave really looked up to Mark and um, he was rapped when he came to Shep Park. And he would have been very disappointed when he left there. But Yeah. Um, and he's an apology tonight. Um, Mark would have gladly come down and joined us. Yeah. But um, he's working to 7.30, so that was... Yeah, I'll, out of the question. I'll just um, I'll read a tribute that um,
2: that Mark put on on Facebook. I'm sure he won't mind. He just said, "Sad to hear you're gone, Dave Hardy. So many great memories. I'll never forget. Great competitor and a brilliant lead. Loved asking him every week. It's your turn to bowl. Loved to chat and a laugh. Thanks for everything you've done for bowls. Rest in peace, Dave. And just looking at some of the comments on that, Rick Orchard, very sad, mate. Awesome guy. I just loved him. Ryan Collins, absolutely shattered. Love Dave so much. One of the great blokes in the GV. Russell Orchard, Ripper bloke, always look forward to a catch-up when playing Shep Park. Dave loved a yak and without fail would always inquire as to how Tanya was going with the netball. Um, John Tucker, very sad news, bowls in the GV will never be the same. Rest in peace, mate. Even Lindsay Clark, an Australian representative. Oh, one of the good guys. You'll be missed, Dave. Um... Yeah, so, and, and even Russell Locke, remember to keep the bowl on the right bias. Rest in yeah. peace, Dave. That Do you want to talk about the origins of that? Where did that come from, Brian? That was the radio, wasn't it? Yeah, keep your it, bowl on the right he po- just
1: brought it up. Um, I don't know how it originated, but um, we, we, we used to have, um, we had a Bush poet on there for a while when Dave was on there. Uh, Doug McConachie yeah. used to come on and uh, it might have been Dave who... Um, who originated that? Yeah, but um, no, I can't really. It obviously, started from someone who was um, having trouble. But
2: but it was always the sign off at the end well, of the show, it was wasn't the sign it? Sign off, and then uh, obviously when he wasn't doing the show anymore, I remember Michael Van Dorse had the recording of it, and we'd, we'd always play it at the end, wouldn't we? We certainly would. Um, just back to obviously a bit of his bowls career at Park, um, and and obviously with Mark. Um, so when when Mark first came over from Marupna, David obviously been leading in Division One for quite a while. But and Park had made finals without winning a premiership, and they'd quite often sort of bombed out in the first final. So Mark coming with a a big contingent from the Marupna premiership side was a big deal at the time. And it was the first time that, oh, well, actually, um, since Jeff, Jeff Sutcliffe, it was the first coach that they'd appointed. Um, and, you know, obviously I was only just starting bowls and I wasn't in the Division One side, but it was a big deal at the time. And um, Dave w- was often, um, he, th- at that time, he was Dennis Smythe's leader. Um, and obviously the first year that Mark came, they won the premiership against Kyabram and Dave led in Dennis Smythe's rink. And then the next year... They went back-to-back. Back. They beat Shep Golf um, in, the, in, a, in a memorable grand final. Dave didn't actually play in Division One that season. Um, that was sort of when his first um, – his health issues had started coming and he actually missed uh, um, some games in the middle part of that year. And as a result, um, he came back through Division Two, and I think it was um, Dylan Hearn and Ash Vesty were a couple of young players that, that had come on board in that second season and um, – and Mark wanted to give them a chance. And obviously they held their spot all the way through the season. And Dave ended up playing in the division two grand final with us that year, which we lost on the last end against Shep golf. So, um, yeah, I'm, i I mean, um, obviously Shep Park went back to back in division one, but you know, there's no doubt that Dave was probably in there in their best 16 that year, but obviously he'd had the health issues and missed a couple of games and Mark sort of, um, wanted to give those younger guys an opportunity and he wasn't able to push his way back in. But then after that season, he was obviously back to being a regular. And I think that was when he started leading for Mark that season after and they made a couple more grand finals without winning. And um, after that second premiership was obviously when Brad Orr left Park and went to Shep Golf and they started their dominant error um and park couldn't quite get over the top of them in the grand final but dave um was as as good a leader going around and and even mark for mark to say that given the the level of bowls that he's played is a is a big
1: um big push yeah it's a it's a great compliment and to say that he's he was a great leader and there's no doubt he was mm. um boxer Brody's in probably in that category as well and um and we had the 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 Dorian leaders in her prior. Mm. but Dave, Dave was in the best six leaders in the competition, no worries. And I think he got better each year even though yeah he was failing his health was failing. he he what? wasn't far out of my top 20, I couldn't no. And he was he was a bit disappointed that I never put him in. <laughs> you can ask title but yeah. he was that close and if I would have I thought, well, who and, am I going to leave out to put him in? It would have been, you know, you've got to be honest when you're doing those things. A really tough decision.
2: And I think it just goes to show he, d- he probably didn't have the most textbook technique. Like no, he did, no. he never got really low to the ground to deliver the ball. He almost sort of flicked it or or sort of dumped it a little bit, a little bit, yes. But he had very good touch particularly on quick greens and um, he was very consistent with his line um and that's you know it, even though his technique wasn't textbook it was the same every time and and that's what they say about golf or tennis is it doesn't matter whether your technique's perfect but dave was very
1: consistent with what he did and with that allowed him to get it draw it close more often than not and dennis Myve said he's the best third that's played for him and he's had a, quite a bit of success. Yeah, yep. So there, it is a big statement. But he's, if you ask Dennis, no doubt, yeah. he said Dave is the best third I've had since I've been a skipper at Chip Park.
2: I think, um, you know, uh, when when Mark was here, obviously, and um, he brought quite a few players from Maripna here, and, and Dave was leading then. I think Dave understood his role, and I think Mark sort of knew how to. Um, I don't know, I guess you'd say pump up his ego a little bit by saying that, you know, I oh, know I need you, Dave, you know. And he understood his role within the team then was just as a leader, whereas once Mark moved on um, and, and we weren't as strong as what we were, I think that's when Dave wanted to explore possibly playing third and, and that sort of thing. And he actually won a, um, a, a Shep Park Club Championship um, skipping and Boxer Brody was his lead. So he could play all of the shots, um, but I think, you know, he's recognised as a lead. And I know he had that really strong year as a third for Dennis Smythe. And then last season, he moved back to lead, which Dave wasn't really happy about, given the yeah. season that they'd had. Um, but when you think about Dave as a bowler, he was one of the most reliable leads
1: that we've had in the region. I oh, think. for sure. Yeah. He, he actually won two men's pairs in consecutive years with Peter Brody, Peter Boxer Brody. Yep. As skip, and then John Mortimer skipped, and he led the following year. Yep, and he also won, won a two mixed. Pairs. He won a mixed pairs with Kate Bush. Yep, and he won a and
2: he and he led in a um, GV state triples side. Um, Dennis Smyth skipped uh, the late right. Glenn he Thatcher um, played in the middle, and Dave led in that in that team as well. So you know he, um, but I think he understood his role really well, and um, you know he he led for. Um, you know, for Lee Pomeroy before that and um and I and I think those skippers really understood how how much a good leader, you know, um set you up in in a game of bowls and Dave Dave was good at his job. What drew me to Dave, <coughs> apart from his personality of course,
0: was he was uh he was a very big ideas man and whether it was <laughs> small uh small issues or big issues he always had big ideas around it, and um obviously, we can't forget his beloved victorian open yes um every every year this would be about the time he'd come come knocking and um want to chat through the the story and I think, as you said ash the the tale got bigger and bigger each year, yes. I reckon that I was here about his involvement in in the starting of the vic open, and he was really really disappointed um when it was announced that this is. Going to be currently the last one in Shepparton mm. this year, so I'm sure it'll be a uh, a big send off for for, for Dave. But um, it, it's you know he also really loved anything that would get um, bowls either a, a higher standing in in the community or mm. um, push along bowls in in general in terms of young players. You know Absolutely. he loved that um, standout was pushing. Uh, ben Fletcher up to skip and all those sort of things yeah, and Friday night games Friday night it was the Friday night specialist I remember um coining uh something along those lines for the first time uh I wasn't the first one to do it but the first time I wrote it he, mm. he rang me up and he said yeah it's um it's uh it's you know what you've got to do to try and keep the game moving mm. along and um he said you know there's nothing better than being able to to watch, uh, you know, Friday night bowls under lights with cheap ears
2: over at Shep Park, so. and, and and I think um, that was something that sort of disappointed him in recent years because obviously Shep Park was a was a bit of a driver of it in 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 the early days of the Friday night games, but the last few years they've sort of dropped off a little bit, and it's more so now East Shepparton and Tally that have got a reciprocal arrangement. But for a while there, um, we had arrangements with Shepparton RSL when they started Division One side. We had one with Kai Abram, um, Shep Golf as well and um, and and I, th- I think a part of it too was Dave, Dave loved the big stage and loved having extra eyes on him and being able to, sh- you know, because he, he did like the limelight, didn't he, Brian, in, in any shape or
1: form? Well, he's uh, he was I a know performer. He, I know he liked to get a, if he's, he was in the paper, I don't know if he, well, I suppose he subscribed to Shep News, I won't say he didn't, but... Uh, he's asked me for a couple. Mm. I said, you know you're in the paper, Dave? No, oh, mate, can you get me a copy? Yeah. I'll get Tyler of the. I, I used to get that all the time. Can you send
2: <laughs> me a couple of copies? I send them to me kids in Queensland and WA and all that. Yeah, for a bloke, that's probably got three times as much as the three mm. people sitting here combined. Um, but it, yeah, he, he did love um, anything that, that promoted bowls and, and he was more than happy to lend... His time to it, whether it was for a photo or a couple of quotes or the the radio show, um, anything that was going to promote the game, and I think that was um, a big part of why he was so special to the Goldman Murray Bowls community. He was also
0: uh, not afraid to take the Mickey out of himself as well, and um, we had the uh, the the Mad Cow Mud Run Hardy's Heroes team. Here yes, at the that's Shep it. News, yeah. uh, <laughs> Dave's character and personality had, had transcended not only the the sports team here at the news but across the entire office and
2: was that that famous photo of him holding his head where <laughs> there was a <laughs> photo that ran in the paper of him obviously he put a bowl down and he must have moved the jack or done something wrong and the cameras just caught that moment where he's realized oh and he's got his hands on he's buried in his face and we that got a bit of mileage that photo and he, he despite uh, some
0: sort of um, small uh, you know protesting from Dave, he, he loved it yeah. uh, i i could see the the smile on his face when we got the t-shirts printed off and um i reckon he won the uh the the tipping in the paper every year as well and one year we oh. awarded him one of the shirts and
2: he um Speaking of the tipping, like there's been no more competitive person that I've seen when it comes to a tipping competition. I know you do it with the GVFL and the GVNL, but when it came to the bowls, he was uh, there was no no um, no tasks shirked or anything. He was full on to win it every year, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he didn't mind picking against Shep Park either. Yes. He didn't think they were going to win. Yeah, that's right. Whereas um, you, oh, well, I'm the same. I, I don't lean to you. You've got to be um, impartial. honest, impartial. Yeah. I think you're the same, Yeah, but um, he, he took that very
2: seriously, much like, um, which is a good segue, the Thursday Bowls, which has become a bit of a, um, a popular thing at Chet Park. And and Dave was a big big part of that, not in starting it, but um, when I first sort of started Bowls at Chet Park, um, so I, obviously I couldn't play on Thursdays because I was either working or, or at uni or whatever. Um, but, you know, it, it was quite a big tournament and, you know, there was a bit of money up for grabs and things like that. And they used to have a player, of the, or they still do, they have a player of the year award, which basically you, you accumulate points based on your performances every week. End of the season, you're the player of the year and they have a, you know, a, a Shep Park, person and then a visitor person um, that gets player of the year. And Dave won it four or five times in a row. But when I was first starting out and I, I'd, I'd hear these people saying, oh, you know, who are you playing with next Thursday or such and such. And I heard this term called the Dave Hardy rule. And I'm thinking, oh, well, Dave Hardy. I, I knew who Dave was kind of then. I sort of was still meeting people in the balls game. And I plucked up the carriage to ask someone and I said, what's this Dave Hardy rule? And they said, "Ah." Oh, you know, if um if he if he hasn't got a partner uh, who he thinks is good enough to win the day, he won't play with him. So basically, if you were no good, because Dave was hell bent on winning his two games every Thursday and being up there in the Player of the Year award, he had yet st- there was certain standards you had to meet as a bowler. So you or I, Brian, wouldn't have got a look in no, with, with Dave been. on a Thursday. That's why you always had a crack team and. He played for, with Dennis Smythe for a lot of years and he also played with Boxer Brody quite a fair bit. But there, then, when there was weekends that Dennis was um, away or couldn't make it or whatever, he, he'd always put the team in as him and Dennis and then he'd scramble to find a gun. So, you know, he'd end up with Paul Warren or Mitch Sidebottom or whoever it may be. He'd always make sure he had a gun replacement to make sure that he could get his points every week. And that was... Um, Part of Dave's competitiveness, whether it was a social game on a Thursday or a pennant game or the GV bowls tips in the paper, didn't matter what the importance level was for Dave. It was all very, very serious and very competitive. It was all part of his charm for for me, <laughs> and um, uh, he
0: he was always happy to uh, ring me up and, and tell me about it as well when he had, had a good day on a Thursday. And yeah, um, but that, that's that's the the key to to my experience with David, and I think I speak for for everyone who's sort of dealt with him here
2: at the Shep News, that that he was always, always happy to to give his time. Just on, well, I just will correct slightly with those who dealt with him at the Shep News. Can you tell the story about... um you know how his policy when it came to dealing with people at the Shep News he had a very clear policy with which people journos and which people he talked to well
0: yes i think it was one of my actually probably one of my first uh, experiences with dave of he would rang up and um i'm loath to say which journal it was that, that picked up the phone but um it, it was one of the one of the fellow sports journos and um he's uh he's put down the phone and said oh, um it was uh it was Dave Hardy for, for you, Oliver, um, uh, Ollie Caffrey, the former sports editor, and um, he said, but he said he, he doesn't deal with juniors, so he <laughs> wants you to call him back.
2: <laughs> that, that, that was Dave's thing. He, if he wanted something done, he, just, he always went straight to the top. And Gregor McTaggart has a classic one as well when he was here, and Tin and was one of the junior sports writers, and um, he must have rang through and got Eamon, and, and, and Gregor wasn't there. And uh, so he's left a message and Greg is rung him back. And gregor has gone, oh, you could have just told Eamon a- that. You know, couldn't, couldn't you tell him? And, and then all of a sudden I hear Gregor on the other end of the phone laughing his head off. And I said, what was all that about? And he's gone, oh, I just told Dave, why, did you, why didn't you talk to Eamon about what? He goes, nah, don't deal with juniors. And, and yeah, so that was always Dave's thing. If he wanted something, he went straight to the sports editor or straight to the editor. And he
1: knew exactly what he wanted at all times. And he left another legacy at out there in the jackpot pairs um, each Thursday at Chip Park that Dave uh, believed if the bowl was close to a resting toucher, <laughs> there could be as much as and probably at least an eighth of an inch, quarter of an inch yeah. away from the kitty that was good enough to record a resting touch, and they still they still refer to as Da- it's not a Dave Hardy toucher. Yes, yes. So, uh, so he's left a legacy. Yeah, in,
2: in, yeah. So, just to give that story a bit more background, obviously, in each of the two games that are played, if um, if you you get a resting toucher, you can write your name on the list, and if you're one of the first couple, you get a, a beer or a stubby from the bar for not, for free, and um, so obviously. That they go quite quickly in some games because, you know, a few people get a resting toucher. And Dave, you know, he'd be up the other end and he'd say, can I put it in the book? Can I put it in the book? And and they'd say, no, nah, Dave, you know, it's ha- ha- half an inch or whatever. And he'd go up and he goes, "Nah, that's close. Yeah, you know, put it in the book. And he'd go and put the Dave Arty resting. There's clearly daylight. You wouldn't, he'd be no good in real estate, would he, Dave. But, um, yeah, the Dave Hardy resting (laughs) toucher will long live on on the Thursday pairs at Shepp Park for that reason. It certainly will. Um, The other thing I I, I wanted to talk about as well, you you alluded to it, Brian, the first time you came in contact with him playing against him and Tyler as well. Do you recall the first... Conversational interaction you had with Dave? No.
0: Not, not specifically. There were so many across the journey. Oh.
2: Yeah, I, I I think I can remember the, the first – so I was a sports journalist here still and um, I dabbled a little bit in lawn bowls. I wasn't playing at the time. I was a long – many years of getting interested in playing. And um, anyway, you know, sometimes people walk in with a story or whatever and I I'll get I'll get a phone call. Yeah, there's a guy at the front here wants to do – do a sports story about bowls or whatever and and there he was dave was at the front and he had like um an old um while well, it's old now a photo of him and three other blokes they'd won a tournament over in banala and so i got some information from him and he said do you want the photo and they got it um scanned in and stuff like that and and anyway it wasn't until uh, i didn't really think much of it at the time and then it wasn't until i started playing bowls and then you get to meet dave and all the other members and things like that but he, he had a great memory for that sort of stuff. He said to me, oh, yeah, you know, you, you wrote the story about when we won the tournament at Benalla. And, and I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, I think that was one of the things about Dave. Lock like you could not see him for five years or whatever and, and, th- and that was quite often the case with people coming to the Vic Open and things like that and they'd always remember Dave salon raffle tickets or whatever and he always remembered a bit of information about where they were from or something that they'd done or a previous interaction that they'd had with Dave and I think that was part of his charm as well as he had a great memory for people what they did yeah, you know, who who was in their family and and Russell Orchard alluded to that in his tribute where he said he would always ask about his wife Tanya and what she was up to with the netball coaching he had a great memory for people and what they're up to and
1: he always had a soft spot for the ladies whether they were <laughs> young or old
2: yes yes he um he did he did he, he didn't mind um you know he, he giving them a peck on the cheek or whatever and you know, I think a, a few of the a few of the blokes at Chip Park would say, oh, "Come on, Dave!" But you know, that was you know he, that was just his way of, of connecting with people, and there was never anything in it. he was just um, he just loved being around people, whether they were people from his bowls club, other bowls clubs, old footballers, cricketers. He was just a man of the people, and he brought people together. and um, And I think that's that's why we're here now, essentially, yes. because as, as soon as we found out the, the devastating news we were like, okay, what can we do to to honour what he what he brought to the, the Golden Valley Bales
1: community. Yeah, well whenever I ventured down there I had two years at Park yep. and I enjoyed that. But whenever I walked down there, I even at a practice with Dave and Dennis and a few others Prior to going there on a Wednesday mm. afternoon at one, he used to be down there religiously, come down, and have a practice. Mm. And as soon as I'd walk in, if I stopped talk to someone else, he'd be sitting there, he'd be yeah. anxious to get some, to tell me something yes. all the time. And uh, I know I used to get a bit info off John O'Donnell, I think they yeah. like to have a good old chat, but Dave. He was everybody's friend. and
2: he, he always had someone popping into his place yeah, or, or whether it was down did. at the club on Thursdays, he was a great source of information just because he knew that many people and he knew knew how to get the right information. Oh, I was just thinking about when he did start bowls and things like that, did he actually
1: spend much time in the lower grades or was he always a Division One player? I don't think he spent a lot of time. I, I mean, it's hard to go back. Is that unheard of or...? Oh, no, some players only have a, you
2: know. I know he was a good golfer because he was great friends with um, the former Geelong Premiership player, Doug Palmer, and they used to play a lot of golf together at Shepp- Shepparton. Um, so, he obviously, he had a natural hand-eye and cricket and things like that as well. He had a natural hand-eye coordination, so it wouldn't have surprised me. I do, do know when he was first learning to play because he lived on, like, basically backed on in the bowls club, he was go- able to go over there and practice quite a lot with... You know the likes of um, you know John Wallace and Glenn Gunston and, and those sorts of blokes. So he was able to um, you know learn a lot and play played socially and things like that before he started playing pennant and
1: things like that. So I'd say he spent probably half a season in the lower grade and then he graduated yeah. into Division One. But he was using. He was using wide-drawing bowls, which you can get, mm. well, and he handled them very well. It was a couple of, two or three years before he even changed to the narrow bowl. I, I remember
2: these these black bowls that he had and, and everyone used to say, he basically used to throw them up the line. That's why he was so good because he was, his touch was so good and his bowls didn't turn. He'd just throw them up the line and get them close all the time. Um and, and, and it wasn't until he sort of started playing third and things like that and skipping in club events or whatever that he, he, he got some bowls that turned a little bit more. But um, he knew his bowls very well. And um, I think at one stage there he, he got these because he was always up for a bargain, Dave, and garage sales and things <laughs> like that. He bought these set, these purple bowls off someone because he thought it were well, a good price or whatever, and he started using them. And they turned too much and he couldn't handle them. And I think Mark or Dennis or someone said to him, go back to these black bowls because they were you know, that they were what he knew. He threw them up the line and and that's what worked for him. But, um, yeah, one, one of the great leaders and one of the great personalities in, in Golden Valley
1: Bowls we've lost. Yeah, and I'd just like to conclude um, saying that uh, his departure's left a big hole in GV Bowls. And I agree with Johnny Tuck. One will, will never be replaced and... Uh, I'd like to send uh, my deepest sympathy and that of uh, Tyler and Ashley to his wife, darling wife, Cynthia, and family, and Vale, Dave Hardy. Yeah, so his children, Anne, Wendy, and John, and he had, um,
2: I think, about 10 uh, great-grandchildren and um, 10 10 or 11 great-grandchildren and grandchildren as well, and... um, I'm a Brisbane supporter and we're still alive, but if they can't win it, I'd love to see his beloved Collingwood win the flag for him. They got close in 2018 and I remember having lots of conversations about that grand
1: final, but um, yeah. And he's going out in style because well, I'll always remember he's – um, the date of his funeral, because it's the same as Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II's wow. funeral will be held later on that Monday night, eight o'clock our time, and Dave's is at one o'clock on the nineteenth of September. And
2: it, it, well, he's he's like our queen, isn't he? Everyone loved him.
1: That's right, and definitely, a, and uh, so it's so ironic, isn't it?
2: Well, it's yeah, coincidental, and um, yeah, for those for those who um, are not sure about those service details, 1pm Shepparton Park Bowls Club, Monday, September 19, uh, for, da- for the funeral service of David Hardy.
0: Thank you for joining us on a, a special, uh, not as sombre as, uh, D- Dave probably would have uh, I- enjoyed it um, in terms of uh, it, that it's not sombre, we're celebrating uh, Dave's life and um, we'll see you all out there on Monday to uh, celebrate it a bit further. That was After The Jack, a McPherson Media Group production.